This is Unsocial Spectators with Clay Harrison and Mark Ramsey. And uh, you can find us at unsocialspectators.com and also at unspectators on Twitter. And welcome to episode 74 of Unsocial Spectators. Hey now. Hello, hello. (laughs) How's it going? Uh, Pretty good. So this week we watched... The Wailing from 2016. How did you find this movie? Uh, I I always uh, like when I see a list of of uh, horror films. I put it in my watch list, and it, it came up, and I said, "Oh, I haven't seen that yet." Uh, it was like in a top 20 list, and then I asked you, so that's how. Yeah, and this was something I would kind of expect to be on Shudder, but it wasn't. Uh-huh. Shudder just needs to, like, I'm really, like, I, I judge a lot of the horror stuff we look at to see, like, is, is Shudder putting this on? Are they talking about this movie? And this, you know, it's it's a, what is this, eight years, an eight-year-old, seven-year-old movie that, I hadn't even heard about, but was really fucking good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing. I mean, going into it, my concern was it's two and a half hours. And I was Uh like, what the fuck are they going to be doing for that long? Plus, it's Korean, so it's going to be subtitled. Right. And so I was like going, am I ready? Boy, fuck yeah, it was good. Yeah, I (laughs) I really, really fucking love this movie. I, I a couple of times I wasn't sure of some things that were happening, but it all kind of comes together at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really uh, well directed. The cinematography was fantastic. Oh yeah, definitely. See, there's this is going to be the first interruption as I have to go let my dog out. So <laughs> fuck, fuck, oh. this is going to happen a lot. Give me one minute. Okay. Get out of here. Go, go. So, go, 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 go. yeah, while Clay is doing that, I think uh, Collateral is definitely a must-see. It's on every free service out there. Uh, I watched it on Tubi. I think it's on Peacock. If you pay for ad-free Peacock, you can watch, it, watch it without commercials. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Oh, man. Yeah. I, the first thing, though, I was kind of bothered because I was like, the cops were real incompetent. Yeah. But but because like 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 they even pointed out to themselves, because at first I think I texted you and I was like, these cops suck. Like, they're not very good. But then that's kind of the point of some of their characters. They're racist uh-huh. because <laughs> they have a, a foreign man who moves into the uh, village and this is just like village cops. And uh, they keep referring to him as Jap. And I was like. Oh, well, uh, the Japanese really fucked the Koreans. Yeah. I mean, they raped, they raped the fuck out of their women. They had them. Uh, uh, they invaded them for years. Yeah, so the history the, the history is dark. They're not fans of Japanese still to this day. Yeah. Um, then I the home setups were interesting too because it, everyone kind of had a room that just faced into an open like court area. Uh-huh. So like you had that one, you had the one main police officer and his wife who were obviously having problems because he's having, he has this affair. And I feel like that's the cornerstone of kind of everything because he has an affair with this woman that his daughter sees and how old would you think she is? Maybe 10. Yeah. But she understands what it was about and what was going on. And, and I feel like that, that just put the darkness over everything that kind of follows after that, because this is a ghost story. Yeah. But well, demon story. 
Yeah, yeah. Like you have this, you have this body that's in this truck that is supposed to be this ghost that seems to inhabit different people, mm-hmm. and then goes just insane, animalistic, tearing animals apart, um, and it turns out like the Japanese guy was trying to help. They yeah, thought it- yeah. He initially. They said he was trying to help, but uh, it turns out he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, because they go into his house and he has a room that looks like like uh, an altar that has pictures of before and after of all the victims. Yeah, and, and some of their stuff, too. Yeah, and that's where he finds his daughter's shoe. Yeah, it's really fucked up movie, man. It is so fucked up. But then, like, like when you get to that final ending and you've got the bodies piled up, I didn't know if the dad was alive or not. Right. Until that final moment. And then you're just like, oh, this is just so fucked. Like, I enjoyed it. it the only thing I complain is just it's long, but it takes it takes a good pacing to get to where you're terrified a lot yeah of who who is possessed what they're going after and just these bumbling cops who just can't fucking get it together like who kind of deserve what you know deserve this like there's sure um that one scene like i and i do warn people um whenever a dog dies in a movie to always go to does the dog die.com because there's this really wild scene where they bring in a Christian priest who's just in training. I love that he's like just in training. Guy. Sure. And even the cop is kind of like, ah. and they go to the house of the killer and he has this, um, I wanted to say it was a, it would look like a Rottweiler crossed with a pit. I wasn't sure. sure of the breed, but it was a big motherfucking dog that was just barking and pulling at him. And they build up the tension in the scene with the with the, the the reverend getting pulled down by the dog and chewed on, and that pen slowly unleashing for, unleashing from the ground. Oh fuck that! That was a, even though the dog like you see it coming, you don't you don't see it. It just goes into a room, and the guy has to defend himself. So it's not that bad. Uh, yeah, but I mean. It seems kind of silly to me. Uh, how many people died in that movie? Fuck a lot for them to yeah. not call in extra help. Right. <laughs> but then uh, the dog died and we have to like, uh, oh, fair warning. I yeah. mean, I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but some people are hypersensitive about dogs, I guess. You know, but oh, yeah, I dated someone who just would have a meltdown if there was a dead dog, like like when you see one on the road or in a movie. So it's like we had to like prep for the movie. And it was like, you know, it, it, if it's in the story, it's in the story and it's there for a reason, right. you know? Yeah, uh, but 400 people could die and that's fine. Yeah. But <laughs> one dog and you're losing your shit. Yeah, but well, it's. It's a thing now. Like I, I would love to kind of go back to the movies that we grew up with as kids and see what would be the trigger warnings on those movies now that you get on the trick <laughs> that you get uh, before any streaming movie. Because it's funny to see that like smoking is a warning now. You, it's fucking fiction. <laughs> I, I mean, get a hold of yourself. I mean, if you're going into a horror movie, I think you should expect horrific things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Marley and Me is basically a movie about the dog dying. Yeah. Well, anyways, I thought it was really cool. So, what what else have you been watching? I watched uh, HBO Max had a series done by Ethan Hawke called The Last Movie Stars about Paul Newman and Joanna Woodward. And it's a series. So it was like, I think six episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and what's cool is that, uh, Ethan Hawke pursued, 
to get the background on all these characters and found out like Paul Newman had started uh, having these recordings done in the 90s where he would he had somebody who sat down with Joanna, his first wife, uh, like people he worked with and did all these interviews. And then, like, I think they said in the early 90s at some point, he just burned them all. Like he didn't want, yeah, he didn't want these done, but someone transcribed them hmm. before they were burned. So he has all the text. And so he enlists people at Mark Ruffalo, George Clooney reads all the uh, Paul Newman lines. Um, he, I forget who reads Joanna, uh, but he has like all these different actors basically read the interview parts. So it's very, uh, it's very personal. Um, I didn't know Paul Newman had been married before Joanna Woodward. Oh, so yeah. he was married and, and had kids with, uh, her. Uh, and so they interview his, his kids from the first marriage and kids from the second marriage, uh, go into his career, go into her career of, of how her career was just peaking when she got pregnant and suddenly was like a stay at home mom. Right. And she, and, and she does talk about like never regretting it and stuff, but it's neat to go through their history, their filmology, uh, like I think they did seven films together, um, and Paul Newman's honesty about how he got where he was. Of he goes, I'm just lucky. And the first thing he says is, "I was a white guy born in America with good looks." Huh. <laughs> you know, he got roles that elevated him from, uh, like he took a James Dean role after James Dean died. Uh huh. Uh, and and was always seen as almost like a secondary to James Dean for a while in the news because it, it, they were almost like this these great actors who just had these kind of like uh, you know they were great looking and just very famous at the time for uh, all the stuff they did. Um, he had a son that had overdosed and passed away, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, you find out how philanthropic they were. Like his oh, yeah. his his mom did all these anti drug videos. Uh, Paul did too. Uh, during the time period, they really wanted uh, Paul to uh, support a candidate, uh, but he was a strong Democrat. He 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 marched with Martin Luther King Jr. You, they had all this footage of him. Uh, you know, really pushing the Democratic agenda at the time because the Republicans always pieces of shit. Uh, I really dug it, you know, like it, it, it at by the time you get to the end, the way they handle the ending is the last episode. They they, they show his death and then they go into the things that kind of lasted since the things that kind of have gone on for him like the, the Newman dressing and, 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 and what a good corporation can do. Right. Because he, he built the hole in the wall gang camp for kids who had leukemia and cancer to come to. Um, he took all the earnings and was able to reinvest it into charities and help people. And it just showed that corporations can be good. And from what I know, it's the only corporation that does this kind of like donation. Right. Uh, and, and, and still not a good guy though, still admits his faults and, and, and it goes through the good and the bad. And that's what I really enjoyed because like he, like accepting that your kid has died from an overdose and having to deal with that kind of shit of, you know, like he wasn't always there because he was on set. He was filming, you know. Um, uh, what else did they go into? I mean, it was just like you you kind of don't want to remember the darker parts because you come out of this like hopeful that there were, you know, there are people out there that kind of care, even though they both have passed. So, or no, Joanna, she's still alive, but she was uh, uh, she has Alzheimer's. Right. Which is wild because during the uh during her life she did a portrayal of her mother with alzheimer's in a play and then only, and then would be diagnosed with it like i think i believe in 2007 
but it's kind of neat to go back and look at old, uh, you know, movie stars and their lives and, and everything because Paul Newman, like you have a lot of like big time actors and people that show up and everything, but they aren't people who worked on work on their craft. You know, we just have we just have people who just show and show up in blockbusters like The Rock is not going to go do Our Town on Broadway. <laughs> He's not going to go do a play. You know, no. we, <laughs> they're just actors that like they just do movies. That's all they'll ever do. I don't think that they work on their craft. Even I'll, I'll even put like Tom Cruise, I feel like, was a guy who basically thought he was going to work on his craft by going to famous directors working with Kubrick and, and just kind of elevating himself. But really all he is, is like, he's the guy who does the mission impossible franchise. Right. You know? Oh uh, yeah. Um, uh, so what do you think his best m movie was? I love bullet. Bullet is probably one of my favorite. And, and, and I don't know if it's no, his be wait, best. Wait a minute. What? Steve McQueen. Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? I'm like, I don't know why I just got that mixed up in my head real quick. Um, <laughs> I and I think probably because it was maybe Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah, um, he's good. That's why that. I wanted to see WUSA. But like, probably Slapshot. Like, I just think Slapshot's like an all-timer that's going to last a lot longer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it's funny, but it also has some social commentary to it for a sports film. Uh, that was why I wanted to... I, I pitched WUSA as a film for us because it was a... It was it was Paul Newman, Paul Newman doing a film about... Uh, right wing talk radio back in the seventies right? and, and what it does, but it wasn't well accepted, but then he kind of wrote some of the same ideals into Slapshot in uh, being owned by uh, people in a sports league and what that meant and what you are as a person within that kind of capitalism of the sports arena and the spectacle of what sports is, you know, like really with hockey, people just want to see people fight. Sure. That's like an element of that game. But by the time you get to the end of the film, there was just the full strip tease was like just giving them everything. <laughs> uh, so, the, the verdict is amazing. When they go into the verdict and explain his acting and what he does, like it's amazing. They go into the acting pieces really well of how you find that piece of you to put into that. Right. And because that guy was an alcoholic and so was Newman, it, cause it was just how he kind of dealt with shit was he just drank all the time. Right. And his kids said he would wake up, go to the sink and fill up, uh, uh, fill up the sink with ice and water and just put his face in to kind of bring down the swelling from drinking all night and get and, and wake up and get his shit together. But the verdict was him bringing that darkness into that role. Yeah. The verdict is, uh, by far in my opinion, his best movie. Um, I, I dig the color of money, even though it's probably not like the best Scorsese. Whoa, it's, 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 a, it's good. It's good. Um, but again, you know, Tom Cruise trying to work with another great actor or great director. Um, I, I've never seen HUD. I've never seen Cool Hand Luke. Dude, Cool Hand Luke is so good. Yeah. I mean. So I, I kind of want to go through his filmography just from some of the things they talked about and how he prepared for some of those roles. Cool Hand Luke is my second favorite Newman movie. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so what else have you been watching? Uh, let's see. Here. I, I, I put on this... Uh, George R.R. R. Martin wrote a sci-fi epic called Night Flyers that got turned into uh, a series uh, in 2018. Gretchen Maul's in it. Uh not, didn't really know many of the other actors, but it was a sci-fi series they had put together. 
And I lasted 17 minutes and just turned it off. <laughs> it's just filled with every sci-fi trope in the beginning that I just got tired of. Right. It was like, you know, okay, so we have this group of people in space and then you have the, like, like I feel like if you're going into space for an extended time, you kind of know what the mission's about and what's going to happen. And so they're like, they're going to bring this, I don't know if he's an alien or a robot or whatever the fuck he was. And people get offended at the captain and want to fight. And they do the, the walk and talk to kind of give you all the exposition to set it up in the beginning. And it was just really dull, but they open the series with the way the, the series will end. <laughs> they show you, they should, I mean, I, I really don't think it's, if anyone watches it, here's a big spoiler. They open it with Gretchen Maul trying to put out a warning while this other guy is chasing her through the spaceship that just basically says, don't let the night flyer on Earth. Right. Uh. And, and, and then she fights off this guy, then she cuts her own throat. And then we go into the show. That <laughs> so, sucks. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it was just like, okay, so there's a warning, so maybe it gets on Earth, maybe it doesn't. But the thing is, is the show only lasted one season. So, yeah, exactly. But it, it, I was kind of curious to see another George R. R. Martin thing adapted, and why didn't it go longer? What was the problem? Uh, but <clears throat> 17 minutes in, is it was written so poorly, I just didn't give a shit. Maybe he couldn't finish writing it. <laughs> um oh i do have one i really dug that i thought was going to be shit okay twisted twisted metal on peacock is a fun fucking show yeah i told you i but i to to go okay why would they use an ip of an older video game like this but it just kind of works. I mean, Anthony Mackie is really fun in it. Um, I can't remember the girl from Brooklyn Nine-Nine that's his co-star, but she's really good. And they do a pretty decent social commentary on post-apocalyptic life of these people who are like working in the fields who have this dream of like, oh man, you know, uh, if I can just get this better job, we'll have a better life. And they get that better job and it's worse because right. like all the rich people basically own them. Uh -huh. And it's, oh God, I was surprised they were able to pull that off in this kind of show because it is very cartoonish, a lot of wild violence. Samoan Joe plays um, Sweet Tooth, but Will Arnett does the voices. Yeah. And it works. I mean, there's a couple of times it's kind of like meh, but it pays off more than, than the, you know, the bad scenes. Yeah. And I, I was able to binge it in a day. Yeah. I think Tom and Hayden church is really good too. I know. I totally like, he gives this every part, like you believe this movie because of him and they do a great origin story of who this guy is that now has become the big bad of the post-apocalyptic world is just basically a mall cop. Yeah, so I saw uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Oh, It's my favorite nightmare. Oh, I love that one. I love it. Yeah, Patricia Arquette's fantastic. It's just... They all get to get their superpowers and go in and kick ass. Yeah. And that's the Dawkins one, right? Dawkins has, uh, is on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I rewatched it. I just I love that 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 movie. Uh, Secret Invasion. Let's talk about this. It's okay. It's not good. <laughs> Whoa! I I've only seen uh, three episodes. Yeah, uh. it's okay. For me, so far, it just it to, for me. It's it, it's a Nick Fury show. It's mm -hmm. not Secret Invasion because the invasions kind of already happened in the show. So 
they're just pulling it from a miniseries that people know from the comics where right. the skull the scrolls were all uh had taken places of heroes so the heroes didn't know who to trust but they don't really use that element in this and well, that was always the fun part of that would have cost more exactly exactly it well i mean and that's the thing is like in the comic you start off with an entire team of avengers that travel to the savage land and it's a place in marvel where uh dinosaurs still roam and stuff because a, an alien ship has landed well when the alien ship opens up you see another group of heroes some of them you know like you see two wolverines one that's arrived to help and one that's in the spaceship and then you see people you see uh, other heroes that have died and um, so like Hawkeye had been married to uh, a character named Bobby Moore. So like in just the I think it's eight issues of Secret uh, Invasion, Hawkeye goes through rediscovering his wife is alive, but then finding out she's a scroll. But then she shows up again at the end and it's really her. So he had, he had like lost his wife, had to kill the scroll that was pretending to be his wife. And he had divorced his wife already. He like has a mental breakdown thing because he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> but Nick Fury isn't really a part of it. You know, it just uh, th this was trying to be like Winter Soldier. It wanted to sure. be a good spy thriller. But it's really Nick Fury, and and I will say my favorite stuff in it is the one-on-one -on -one scenes. Him and Olivia Coleman, him and Rhodey. You know when they have those moments, uh, those are the scenes that are that 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 are worth it. But like they have a scene with uh, uh, who was the guy that played Bilbo in the Hobbit, uh, Martin Freeman. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, like Martin Freeman shows up in the pilot, and then he and then he shows up later in the show. It almost looks like he filmed all his scenes by himself. Yeah, yeah, using his own camera. Just, I mean, you see him shot, and then, like, nobody else is really interacting very much with him, so it just looks like, is he even there? Because they said that, like, I've seen shots from sets where they would have uh, Samuel L. Jackson sitting behind a green screen, but then the green screen was just for, like, an office. That's why they spent like fucking $22 million on this show, but then they barely used the scroll look, which was the, you know, the transformation. And then uh, Ben Mendelsmith, like, I love him. He's really good. Didn't use him enough. I don't know. I just, it was frustrating. It's probably one of the poorest things I've seen on Disney. Uh, so I, I rewatched Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh. So good. Yeah, that ending's so dark. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Then I watched uh, Guardians Volume 3. Fuck yes! Yeah, Fuck. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I loved it, man. I, I was such a fan. Yeah. I I, I, a, a friend of mine told me like he didn't like the Space Leia scene with uh, at the end with Star-Lord moving himself across yeah. space who gives a shit i wouldn't call it that but i still i that guardians kind of solidified for me that it's better than star wars like i've always grown up as a star wars fan but w since disney has done so much i would say damage they've watered down so much what a star wars is that it's not fun it's not an event i don't have to go watch uh, but these Guardian movies, I could watch over and over again with the holiday special. Great soundtrack, great cast, great twist. Not everyone has to be happy at the end, but uh, still a great, great series. Yeah, I had a, lo a lot of fun watching that. Then I, uh, for the first time, I saw Inner Space. First time. Oh, dude, that's such a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it, man. It, it Dennis was... Quaid. I think it's the time Dennis Quaid was engaged to Meg Ryan and uh -huh. then Martin Short's The Traveler Inside His Body. Yeah, yeah. I really... No, Martin Short is not The Traveler. Who's The Traveler? Dennis Quaid is in Martin oh. Short. <laughs> I have to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> I fucking forgot. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, bullet? I know. And dude, then, like I said, I what? just woke up and I'm still trying to put my head together. No, no, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, then this morning I watched Collateral. Collateral. Michael Mann movie with oh, Tom with, Cruise and, and Jamie, Jamie Foxx. Fox. Really, really good. Well, I hadn't heard that, but it's really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Michael Mann, when he's making an action film, the camera work is fantastic. Oh, you man. Know? I know. Even, like... I, I always recommend Thief. Not a lot of people have seen Thief, oh, but that's Thief, like Michael Thief, Mann. Thief is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Thief and uh, uh, and Heat Thief, are, yeah. are his best films. You know. So, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, have you been watching anything else? Uh, Shudder had a great uh, documentary on shark exploitation. Uh-huh. And they go through all the shark films and uh, and the people who've worked on them. The trend kind of started with Jaws. Uh, then it went Deep Blue Sea, and then it went Sharknado. So those right. were like the three linchpins. And then it kind of had the filter of films around it that came from that. Like uh, like when I, we, we watched that Mako a shark film and and Peter Benchley was kind of like as they continued to do these discovered that as people wanted to adapt and do more shark films most of the times the sharks were killed and hurt during the filming because they didn't have the same laws we have now right so like those uh, like Mako we talked about they had pulled teeth from sharks and uh, so that they couldn't bite they even they even killed some because there's like one scene in Mako where there's a woman who's swimming like a mermaid in a bar, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole bit was they had this plastic sheet between her and the shark, so it looked like she was swimming with a shark with no boundaries. This guy comes in, cuts it open, so the shark will come in. Well, they had this sh- shark they had kept out of water for so long they thought it was dead. It had no teeth, and so the whole bit was they they had a shark wrangler that was inside that was going to move it around. But as soon as they put it in the water, it came to life, and it and it went after the actress. And you see the scene in the film where its mouth locks around her leg. Um, but now Peter Benchley, or I mean, s- since those things started happening, he had become an advocate for. You know, like sharks kill like maybe six people a year. It's not that big of a deal. This is a horror story. This, you know, and uh, uh, that it actually has riled up people in real life to go out and hunt sharks after seeing a fucking movie because they can't comprehend fantasy and reality. Yeah, you know what the most dangerous uh, big animal is? What? That, that kill the most people. What? Hippos. Oh, fuck. Stamp- stampeding and shit? No. They, they eat them? They bite the fuckers. Oh, fuck. Those mouths, have you ever seen them crush like a a, a pumpkin and shit? Oh, the fruit yeah. they give them? Oh, oh my yeah. God. That would be a terrifying way to die. Yeah. Yeah. It, when, uh, like in the wild, people... Uh, uh, fall in the water near hippo and get killed. That, oh, what a fucking way to go. Uh, anything else? Yeah, we got to the theater and saw Barbie. Oh, did you like it? <laughs> I really liked it. Like, I didn't know what to expect, but it is subversive, hilarious. Um, I, I may have a a, a movie crush on Ryan Gosling that's that's getting to the level of Bruce Willis because oh, really? I fucking love all his movies, man. Uh, Lars and the Real Girl was like the first time I looked at this guy and said, "Man, he can really act. He's good." Uh, Blade Runner, uh, the Blade Runner sequel was where I was sold, and uh-huh. then uh, oh shit, The Nice Guys is like one of my favorite favorite uh, uh, pulp films. And drive. 
oh fuck drive i forget about that like the perfect look at that cast i mean isaac uh, oscar isaacs is a supporting cast member in that and the scenes just can exist in quiet and are so perfect the 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 elevator rides in that movie so good uh but i i really gotta say check out barbie like it's fucking hilarious uh i do one of the parts though that i did uh i was a i was part of the joke because they talk about patriarchy and uh women running stuff and there's this whole thing about uh how men like you know if you ever tell a man like you haven't seen something like the godfather they will insist that you have to see it and talk about it through the whole movie i'm that fucking guy i'm that dickhead that kind of <laughs> does that shit um but ryan plays a ken who <laughs> he just wants to be with barbie and he just has very simple needs and he's just hilarious and fun at it like he goes for every gag he dresses up hilarious uh I don't know. I I mean, it, it, our theater wasn't that packed, but it's been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Barbie's coming to Max, so I'll check it out then. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's I, it it's really good. I mean, I just was surprised, but but what's weird is like now Mattel has like licensed all their toys for for movies, which is fucking weird. I, apparently, they had done it back when. Uh, they did battleship which was a big bust uh but i don't think that they get the high concept that barbie is oh of course not you uh, know i mean oh, i can't wait for peppa pig <laughs> i know there's like a magic eight ball in there and then uh shelby said there's even one i, I really fucking hate lena dunham like uh -huh. i just don't find her appealing at all and they had these like pocket like uh, Toyland things that uh, she showed me at, that she had as a kid. She goes, she's making a movie about that. <laughs> it's like, what does that even have to offer? It's just like, it looks like a kid's compact, but it has toys in it. And somehow she gets a movie deal for that. Pretty ridiculous. So yeah. uh, have you watched anything else? Um, I finished. Oh, right. Oh, um, I watched a video game movie that I didn't know was a video game. Uh, Cause as this movie started up, cause it, it looked pretty interesting. Uh, it had like Sam Richardson in it. Um, and, um, fuck, I can't remember the girl's name who is in all of the, uh, yeah, I think it's AT&T or Verizon commercials. Oh yeah. Uh, she yeah, was also, I know her. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I, I fuck, I can't, I can't remember her name, but uh, they're in a movie called Werewolves Within. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I played that game. Okay, so then maybe you can give me more insight because it looks like it's Clue, mm -hmm. but with werewolves. Yeah, it is. Okay, so that's that was kind of the movie. It's like he's he's a forest ranger who comes into the small like Alaskan town that's all snowed in. Great cast. Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows is in it. Um, the uh, And so it's, you know, it's a werewolf movie that's based on a video game. So they're trying to figure out, they're all trapped, and they're trying to figure out who the werewolf is. Yeah, um, with Lily from uh, AT&T. That's who it is, Lily from AT&T. It's okay. I mean, it's not... I don't know, it's... It's just okay. Like, it fills time. You know, there was nothing I that stands out. The, vam the, the vampire, the, the werewolf looked cool. But it is you trying to just kind of, like, figure out who it is. But they make it pretty easy. Werewolf clue. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it was. But they should have played it up like that more. Uh, this was... Um, I don't know because like I'm trying to think of like what was the best joke, what was the best, and it what there was there's nothing that really has stuck in my head. Uh, it was just okay, <laughs> I, and I hate to give that like you know, but 
maybe you might enjoy it or get more out of it because you saw the video game. But I just thought it was funny to see Ubisoft presents. Yeah. And I was, and I was like, oh, shit, they're just going to start unloading their video games as movies. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that's what they do. There's supposed to be a, a Division movie coming. Oh, wow. I now, think, that may be a little more exciting. I think it was going to be, I don't know if it's still coming. But I think it was going to be Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, uh, who's the redhead? Uh, Jessica Chastain. Yeah, yeah. so that could be good. Yeah. I love yeah. The Division, so. I Yeah, I've never played it. Uh, watch anything else? I finished Righteous Gemstones, and I could almost sit here and talk to you for a whole episode about that show. I love that show. It goes from really kind of exposing, you know, I I, I think the key thing that ties everything together is John Goodman. Mm -hmm. When they tell his backstory, and you understand that he was a wrestler, and the kind of person who has to put on that show as a wrestler works perfect as a preacher yeah the grift yeah it's the grift and and like i sent you that picture this week like the lakewood church in dallas is exactly fucking like the righteous gemstone arena it's the grift but by you by the time you get to the end they want you to i feel like they want you to cheer for them a little bit Sure. Like you, uh, Adam Devine's character, who's with Keith, you know, they're friends on and off and you, and, but they're very close. They're very close friends and you know what the situation is, but like in the, like in the third episode or the third season, like they kiss and have this moment and you're like, okay, he finally is accepting who he is, you know? Right. I think Judy is always Judy through the whole movie. She's amazing. She is she like John Goodman is the best in the show. She's got the best line. She has the best performance. She pulls it off. I went through and watched the outtakes. The blooper reels are, are hilarious because they're usually her lines. There's like a there's like one line in season one where uh, there all the kids are sitting in the media room watching TV and Judy's upset about like uh, 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 her her uh, husband leaving her and she's like but I'll never have a boyfriend again. And, and Jesse goes, you'll, you'll have 15 boyfriends. And, and, and she's like, but will they, will they eat my ass? Will they eat my ass? She can't say that over and over. She goes, I just want to, and, and he can't say it. And they're, they're both and like Adam's in the middle. They're both trying to talk about eating ass and can't, and just can't maintain and just laugh the whole time. Um, Steve Zahn is fucking excellent. I love him. I wish they'd use him more. But he calls it out in the third season. He's like, they're just charlatans. They're just performers. Sure. And you and you want to like John Goodman on some level because you, you're seeing a guy who's still mourning his wife. But he's also a con artist who sold those Y2K buckets of food. Yeah. Uh, like that whole storyline with Steve Zahn was fantastic because it was his own family. But he attempted to take care of them. But then it just goes sideways. And you see how that one moment in his life turns him into a completely different person by the end. Dude, baby Billy just, I can't stop laughing when he's on screen. I fucking love Goggins, man. He comes on and you, like, he is the hanger on. He's good at the grift, but for some reason he sees them as, like, the penultimate of grifters in this. He, because like when they kick him out at one point, you see him preaching in a small tent, but by the end of the season, he has like this immaculate, uh, place with, with like a cross and water and this just fucking unbelievable, uh, because you know, he's good at the grift. He's perfect. He's been doing it his whole life. That's what him and his sister were raised to do. And it's to have that money. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic show. I, I, I love Aunt Tiffany because uh-huh. anytime she gets a line, it's hilarious because she wants to be called Aunt Tiffany <laughs> by by the kids. Um, but there, 
the end of the third season, they kind of all come together and have this moment where they're all sitting and they're all family and they've, I guess, reached a point. I, I think maybe they wrote it as a series or a series finale. They're then having I, they got a, a season a, four, yeah. Yeah, but they had a season four. I I wonder if there was two ending shots because they're in the strike mode and they know that they won't do a fourth season for a while uh-huh. that they had this planned or maybe they had something else up that they were going to show because it just seems like too uh, finite. Like right. it, it, every, the family came together at the end. They all sit down and watch monster trucks crush stuff <laughs> as you do. Um, but the third season, really great twists and turns because you didn't know where anything was coming from. Who who played Steve Zahn's wife? She's from Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? I'm looking it up right now. Kristen Johnston. Oh, yeah. Whoa. She's she good. Fucking, oh, she kills like, it. Because she plays this little bit of mental off person who's still in love with God. Like she's the real deal i believe right. like she 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 believes in god she believes in the word of god she's taught that to her kids they've learned the music that she loves and then that scene where they get together and the kids play music for her like they had a lot of really true great family moments that made you like them but they're they're terrible fucking people but at the core oh, yeah. and that's the hardest part with danny mcbride shows sometimes is like like, you know, you want Kenny Powers to kind of get his shit back together, but he's really deep down just a piece of shit his whole life. Yeah. And that's what these people are, because even though John Goodman raised them in a church, but he was he it was his greed that got them where they are. Their mom even admitted to the Y2K greed. Uh, so it was hard for me to kind of get to the end and not go. They need to get their. They need to get their just desserts. Right. Well, for what they maybe they will. We'll see. I mean, the closest thing you get is I think I, I, like Adam Devine's character being gay in the church is going to be something that that'll be wild in the fourth season. Uh, I couldn't believe John Goodman uh, does the wrestling move on his grandson like that and breaks his fucking thumbs. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say probably top five Eric Roberts performance. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's good. really good for a guy who does, a, a, you know, probably 365 roles a year. <laughs> this guy comes in and brings this character that you believe. Yeah. That you believe works in wrestling. Uh, and then when you get his backstory, it's almost heartbreaking that he was this, uh, that his dad would steal from him and abandon him as an adult broke yeah. with nothing that he would even go to John Goodman and, and um, you know, interestingly enough, Goodman confesses that he had killed the man and all that shit. That's, it's just really good. I mean, it's got a great story. It, the hardest part is just dealing with the ups and downs of like, I don't want to like these people because they're, they're terrible. They're fucking terrible. People. Yeah, but they're so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. And I and trying to think of the funniest part in it, I really Billy Baby's uh, Bible Bonkers is just a ripoff of of uh, Family Feud. And yeah. watch he was he was so in love with the concept. He just yeah. fucking loved it. Uh, and uh, the swarm cracked me up. I love the first season and the guy that was helping uh, Gideon take money that kept getting hurt. I love that guy. He was he was uh, he was in a show called The Mick, playing a very similar role. That's pretty hilarious. Uh, there's just a lot of really good shit in there, and it, Lucas Haas playing one of the kids. Um, it also, uh, uh, Jesse sent off his oldest to military school, which is weird because. It gave me the impression that he was already like a college age. He was an adult, but he was sending to him to a military, uh, I guess, college. I don't think it was his oldest. I think it was the middle kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gideon's his oldest. It was, yeah. It's his middle kid with the face tattoo. Yeah, but really cool. Did you watch anything else? 
No, that's it. Okay, so I have some news. Let's get into it. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal to direct Bride of Frankenstein with Christian Bale. Wow. She's going to direct who's going to play the bride. I don't know. For a long time in that dark universe, they had Jennifer Lawrence signed up to play the bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm curious if she would return to do that. But uh have no idea. Maggie Gyllenhaal, has she directed before? Um, I don't know. Let me, let me take a quick look at directing credits. I don't see anything. I'm curious now, though. I would watch that. I would definitely yeah, watch I'd that. Yeah, I'd watch it, too. But, but yeah, Universal's always trying to just reboot those. And also, uh, there's going to be a... They announced a Bruce Lee anime. Okay. Why? I don't know. I mean, he's iconic, but... Uh, money? Yeah, I mean, it's always going to come down to money. I mean, I guess somebody, his family owns the rights and could, House of Lee. Sure. Revealed ahead of Enter the Dragon anniversary. Yeah. I, 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 I'll watch it. I, I, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll too. probably watch it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, that's all the news. Yeah, no. I, 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 uh, uh, totally forgot my, the best Paul Newman is the Sting. Um, I don't. It's it's good, but Verdict is the best, uh, in my opinion. Maybe I just need to revisit the Verdict. I think I saw that as a kid because it came out in '82 and got uh-huh. like a lot of cable cable run. That and Absence of Malice, like both of those. I don't think I ever watched Absence of Malice. Yeah, Have you ever watched of, it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. And then Fort Apache, the Bronx, I've seen part of. Those are some of the ones that just didn't pop in my head right away. But uh, I need to come up with a movie for next week. We don't have anything. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, we do? Yeah. Next week, we're going to watch Marjo from 1972. Oh. Yes! I forgot about this. I did pick this a while back. I'm so happy about this because this has been one of the ones I had quested for a while. And then now it's just free everywhere. Uh, a documentary about this young preacher kid. Yeah, so we'll watch that next week on the show. Yeah, free on Tubi, Roku, Voodoo, Crackle, all over the place. All right, have a good one. You good, too, man. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.